Hello, fans. This is Justin Cox. And Cameron Kennedy. And we are the Between the Uprights NFL Show. Well, we're going into week seven now, so we're officially getting towards the middle of the season. At this point in the season, we're starting to uh, have uh, strong opinions about different teams, but always uh, seems to happen that certain games will flip our perceptions of them. We have a couple of games this weekend that might do that. We had a couple last weekend that did the same thing. So without further ado, let's get to it. First off, the Bucks embarrassed the Packers in Tampa Bay, handing the Packers their first loss of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, I was really surprised by not just the result of the game, but how it played out. Were you? Uh, definitely, uh, especially when the Packers went up 10 nothing within like the first six minutes. I thought it was going to be blah in the other direction. But then Aaron Rodgers threw his first interception of the year, which just happens to be a pick six. And it was all downhill from there. Yeah, it was only like the third pick six of Rodgers' career or something insane like that. It's very, very few and far between that he does that. But overall, that Tampa Bay defense showed up. Rodgers looked completely off. He threw two picks after having the Engel McCringleberry celebration, which I'm sure you saw. And something that was really wild to me, Aaron Rodgers all-time has an all-time winning percentage under 500 when trailing at any point in the game. Oh, wow. Even Tebow had a winning percentage coming (laughs) from behind. (laughs) That really, really surprised me when I saw that. Um, Now, the question is, where do you think these teams go from here? I think Tampa's going to keep going on the up. I don't think it's that big of a concern that they lost one game, the Packers, but if they continue to play like that, it's going to get bad. So I, I understand teams don't always show up for games, and so I'm not going to blame the Packers for getting beat. What I'm going to say is, is it just me, or does it seem like every time they've gotten beat, both this year and last year, they've just gotten completely blown out of the water? Oh, yeah, Definitely. And that has some very serious cause for concern, in my opinion. Now, the other question is, is Tampa Bay legit? My opinion is that they play their competition. That might make them a sneaky contender, but it also leaves them prone to get tripped up in a wild-card playoff game more than a lot of really good teams. So they're kind of an outside contender, but I don't. I still don't think they can be a front-runner in the NFC yet. Yeah. Moving to the AFC, on a Monday afternoon game, the Chiefs dominated the Bills for a big win in Buffalo. (laughs) Now, earlier this season, we had thought that Josh Allen might be the MVP, but here we showed what a real MVP looks like in Patrick Mahomes. What did you see from that one? First of all, did you see that run he did for first down? I did. That was hilarious. (laughs) Almost as funny as Kyler Murray pitching the ball to himself. I did see that. That was pretty, pretty funny. And he fooled yeah. everybody. But no, the Chiefs are just being the Chiefs. I I called it in the beginning of the year. I think they go 15 to 1. I don't think they lose another game. I agree with you. So, I mean, I, I maybe think. Maybe 14 to 2 if they bench your starters week 17. Maybe. And then I think Josh Allen is showing his true form. And I don't. I think he had a hot start, but I don't think he's an MVP caliber quarterback yet. I think he's on his way, but he's not there yet. 
Yeah, I agree with you on Allen. Uh, second game in a row that he has honestly looked horrible. And I know the Titans and Chiefs appear to have at least good defenses, but you can't look that bad and expect to be a franchise quarterback. Like, where where was what he was doing the first couple weeks? Where's that? It seems to have evaporated in thin air. The other thing for the Chiefs that I want to highlight with that team is they unleash parts of their game that we haven't really seen that much this year. The run their game. Season. Yeah, the run game looked really good. Clyde right. Edwards Hilaire looked like a beast in that backfield. Because he doesn't want to lose his job to Le'Veon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the defense looked really good, too. They needed to look yeah. really good after giving up 40 to the Raiders. So I think if they can put together a team with that passing offense uh, complemented by the run game and defense, this team is going to be much better than last year's team. Definitely. Uh, on Sunday night, our primetime game, the 49ers, quote-unquote, upset the Rams in primetime. What, what do you think about this one? This one has some interesting takeaways for me. I'm shocked. I, I think the Rams were going to lose this. I think they're clearly the better team on paper, especially due to all the injuries that are still affecting the 49ers. And I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened here. So I, I talk a lot in, in my game picks on motivation. And what I had completely forgotten was just what the Niners were facing their next couple weeks. Their upcoming schedule is brutal. And so they kind of had a desperation game. And I think that's the reason why they won. Here's their upcoming schedule. At New England, at Seattle, versus Green Bay, at New Orleans, by at the Rams versus Buffalo. That's brutal because I can see a very legitimate situation where they go one and five. Definitely. And if you go one and five, your season's over. So they need to win here to avoid having the season be completely kaput in uh, October. How they did it was through their defense and their running game, which is what got them to the Super Bowl. And that's something that they, as they get players back on that defense and get Mostert and uh, Debo Samuel back, it's going to be something to look forward to with this team. Yes. The other thing is, Jared Goff kind of regressed to the average for him. He's never great and he's never bad. You just get games like this from time to time. In my opinion, it's why he's not a franchise quarterback. He can win games for you, but he's not above the infrastructure of the team. He's and like, I think that he's missing Todd Gurley a lot more than what's being let on. Yeah, and he's I think he's like Fitzpatrick. He's hot one week and cold the next. Like he's never consistent. I see him as like Kirk Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> like honestly God's truth, I see him as like Kirk Cousins. That's I think he might be a little bit better than Kirk Cousins, but I mean same by quarterback. Yeah. The other quarterback that's in that camp, Baker Mayfield. The Steelers blew out the Browns in a major AFC North battle. Cleveland looked bad, and the Steelers looked like Super Bowl contenders. But why did you see it this one? I think they should have benched Mayfield. I don't think he was ready to play. I think they further risked him getting a worse injury than what he already has. And you could tell just from his play that he was not himself. So I, I know I, said that uh, mom ain't raising no wuss, but uh, you, you got to know whenever you're not ready. Yeah, so I don't think it would have been that bad had he been healthy, but I don't think any part of that team showed up for that game. And you're right, I think the Steelers are looking like Super Bowl contenders and looking like they could take, they could take the Ravens at any point. 
So for Cleveland, they looked abysmal. They've played two games against really tough opponents this year. The Ram, uh, the uh, Ravens and the uh, Steelers. Their combined score in those two games was 76 to 13, losing. In my opinion, that means they're kind of a pretender, and I think that's largely on Baker Mayfield. You got yeah. for Keenum, but, and yes, okay, he was hurt. But everyone wants to try to cover up the fact that I'm starting to think he's kind of bad. Yeah. I mean, he, he has not shown the flashes of brilliance that he showed in that rookie season ever since his rookie season. And I'm starting to think he's the same kind of player where it's, you know, he cannot play above the infrastructure of the team. Yeah. On the other hand, the Steelers are legit. That steel curtain defense is back. But the biggest difference is they have a very, from last year's team, is they have a very solid offense with four good wide receivers and a strong running back stable. Plus having the veteran leadership and Big Ben back really helps that team. They're 5-0 for the first time since 1978, which was a Super Bowl team that looked a lot like this one. Built on defense, strong running game with Franco Harris, quarterback was a veteran in Terry Bradshaw, and one of the best outside wide receivers in the game in Lincoln's form. I think there's a lot of strong comparisons to be drawn with that team, and I think that despite, you know, offensive explosions, I think you can still win in the way that the Steelers are doing it. Yeah. Now, for them to get to the Super Bowl or to win their division, they have to get through the Ravens, who beat the Eagles on Sunday. They almost blew a huge lead. This one kind of came out of nowhere as the Ravens almost let the game get away. Uh, what was your main takeaway? I didn't really get to see this one because I was at work, but if you almost lose to the Eagles this year, that's like almost losing to the Dolphins normal years. So I, I'm I'm really concerned about this Ravens defense. I was just going to say let go of... Earl Thomas. So I end up watching this one at a sports bar because every Sunday at one, I go to the sports bar and watch the NFL games. And none of the TVs that were directly in front of me uh, had it on this game. However, there was one that was kind of a bit of ways from me where I could see it. And I saw 37. I thought it was over. And then the Eagles came out of nowhere. They rose like the Undertaker. You've seen the memes of them just kind of the Undertaker at uh, WWE coming up from behind someone just out of nowhere. Yeah, that's what the Eagles did. And the Ravens almost let this one get away as they thought it was over. As we're going to talk about later, no game this season is really over. But the the biggest unfortunate thing for me was the Eagles came back all that way, and then they ran one of the worst possible two-point conversion plays they could run. Now, I understand Carson Wentz is sneakily mobile, but you have to think. You're facing the Ravens. Most defenses on a team are built to stop that own team's offense. They're used to facing that team's offense. If you look at a Lamar Jackson team, what do you think is the number one thing that team's going to be able to stop? A quarterback run. And what did the Eagles try to tie the game with? A re-option with a far less uh, mobile quarterback. <laughs> I, I don't understand what the hell they were doing on that. I would have gone with probably a bootleg, try to get a tight end or a fullback open in the end zone. That would have been something that the Ravens haven't really done this season. But to call a team's own play against them in a crucial moment like that, it, it, it blew my mind. Weirdly enough, they're still only a half game out of the league in the NFC East. I know, that's crazy. 
Now they're sitting at one four and one. One team that just got their first win of the season is the Atlanta Falcons, who exploded on offense for their first win of the season against Minnesota. Think this is more about Atlanta, or do you think this is a really bad sign for Minnesota? I mean, we all know my opinion on Minnesota, but yeah, I think it's worse for them because this Falcons team looked like crap. And then they, they handed the reins over to the dude that made them look like crap and their defensive coordinator. And then now all of a sudden their defense can play when it matters. I'm calling conspiracy. Somebody wanted a job. <laughs> so looking at this, I, I think the Vikings are a very bad team. Alex, uh, Alexander Madison was one of my main uh, waiver wire pickups this week on fantasy, given that Dalvin Cook was out. And he did literally nothing. <laughs> On top of that, their defense is abysmal, largely due to having really bad cornerbacks. I mean, they've got Harrison Smith at safety, but they have nobody that can press, uh, run good press coverage in man to man on the outside. Now, at the same time, Matt Ryan kind of turned back the clock. He had not had a touchdown pass since the first half of week three. We're going into week seven now. With Julio back, though, he threw four. And I think that that shows how much impact losing Julio's injury really had on this team and on this offense. I think they might end up being a team that, you know, started out 0-5, but might be able to fight back to 6-10. and 10. Maybe. Uh, one team that made kind of a miracle comeback on Sunday was Titans, who managed to stay undefeated uh, with their comeback against another interim coach, Romeo Cornell, in the Houston Texans. Yo, I saw uh, that. This one was wild, wasn't it? Yes, and poor Deshaun, dude. You have nobody. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. I feel you there. Until I saw his contract, and I was like, oh, he'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think this I just shows sad, how bad the Texans are. I feel sad for him as I possibly can for a guy that uh, makes over $30 million in the season. Right. I think this just shows how bad the Texans are this year and how dumb that trade was. Yeah, uh, the Titans were down seven with a minute 20 to go, but Romeo Cornell just could not hold that lead. Did you see the A.J. Brown catch at the end of the game with four seconds to go? I did not. Oh, my God. You got to go on YouTube and check it out. It was insane. I was was at the bar, and literally the entire bar just went, wow, the second he caught it. It was wild, and sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Despite getting torched by Deshaun Watson, Titans were able to force overtime and won the coin toss. Now, another thing that helped with this is Derrick Henry just went off. Hell yeah. 212 rushing yards on the day. Now, he said, and I got rush too. Fun fact for you he has more 200 plus uh, rushing yard games over the last two seasons. The entire rest of the NFL combined. <laughs> Man's on a mission. Give him his MVP. Yeah, the dude, uh, we're, we're now in the standings where people are like, oh, you need to pass the ball as many times as you can. He's still showing that you can win the game around the ball. I love watching this team. I love I love watching Derek Henry. Hell yeah. Seems like every week he tries to end some man's career. <laughs> Josh Norman. <laughs> now, in, uh, well, Josh Norman and Earl Thomas. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, now, oh, on Sunday at 1, we also had a really interesting game for the two of us. We had the Battle of the Host Cities. Your Chicago Bears beating my Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so, what, did, what were your main takeaways from this one? 
That Bears defense is scary. Scary good. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater didn't have time to even think to throw the ball half the time. And the few times he did have time, he did make some great passes. I think the Panthers are better than I expected them to be this year. A lot better. And I'm still saying I don't think the Bears are as good as your record are. I think the Panthers are overachieving this season, so it wasn't too surprising that the Bears won. Yeah. But at the same time, this Bears defense is incredible, man. They can work any offense. And if you're allowing – if you're giving Nick Foles and Mitch the bitch an opportunity to win games, and that says quite a bit. Right. They've also found something – Finally, an offense that works in the running game. David Montgomery looked good on Sunday. Finally. And there again, it shows that you can still win with defense and pounding the rock. And as someone that's a defense and running guy, I love to see that. Yeah. Now, um, moving on, another game that was at 1 o'clock on Sunday, uh, the Patriots lost to the Broncos and dropped under 500 for the first time after five or more games since 2002. Now, the Broncos really dominated this one. The only reason it wasn't a bigger win was because they got held with field goals and couldn't convert for touchdowns. <laughs> they forced Edelman to throw not one, but two double passes to try to get the offense going. I think this showed that the uh, that, uh, Brady held high to a lot of ugliness that is now coming to light for New England. They have no receivers. They have no running backs. They have no tight ends. And they're missing serves on offensive line, a.k.a. they have nothing on the entire side of the ball. But I know you're a Cam Newton fan. So what is your take on this guy? I don't know what it is, but he cannot beat the Denver Broncos. And it's pissing me off. At this point, please just sign with them next year so you can stop losing to them. (laughs) It's, It's embarrassing to... To lose to a team that could only kick field goals, I, I don't even know. But their their Denver's defense looked really good. Yeah, yeah, it did. Now, our last game to cover was our Monday Night Football game of the week. Was the Cardinals thumped the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football in the first game for the Cowboys without Dak. So, for me, I was surprised by the Cardinals' defense. I thought Dalton would be good. I thought he was the best backup quarterback in the NFL and he put up a fight. They did not. But what was your main take anyway? First of all, I got to do it. My favorite meme of the week was a picture of the New York Jets and it said the Dallas Cowboys without Dak. <laughs> um, I did not see that. That's hilarious. Yes. Yes, it is. And honestly, the Cowboys are in trouble. And I feel bad for Dak because I think his injury just ruined all contract negotiations that he had. But even with the offense they have, Andy Dalton should have been able to do something. And the Cardinals just made them look like the the New York Jets. Yeah, I, something that is going to blow your mind if you haven't seen it. The Cowboys are 0-6 against the spread this season. That's kind of insane the more you think about it. Because you think Vegas is trying to make money on these games. And you think that most teams are somewhere around 50% against the spread is what you'd expect. Yeah. They're 0-6. Like, I, I don't know 
when the last time was that a team was that bad against the spread. Now, at the same time, Kyler Murray had another MVP type performance. The big story for me, though, was King and Drake kind of had a coming out party even before the huge touchdown right at the end of the game. Hell yeah. This Cardinals offense is clicking on all cylinders. If they can get defensive outputs like they had on Monday night going down the stretch, this is going to be a team that I don't think anyone's going to mess with. I, I feel you. So that's our game results for this uh, from last week. Um, let's move to our storylines, though, for this week. The first one, the audit came back for the Titans uh, from their COVID investigation. And it found a couple of things. First, the facility was in compliance with the NFL standards. There were several people not wearing a mask. And the Titans complied with the investigation. And as a result, they got fined. But they're not, not going to lose draft picks or anything. Now, what do you think this means for the future? Not just for the Titans, but for the NFL. I think at this point, it's going to be hard for you to punish anybody after that. And I, I feel like they are, I feel like there's smoke screens in the NFL. And I feel, I don't know, I feel like they're leaning more towards like the NCAA side of things where it's all about the money. So the biggest thing for me that this showed was, okay, I'm glad that the Titans are, uh, facility is in compliance. I'm glad that they comply with the investigation, but they still had an outbreak. So to me, if they're in compliance, that means that any team can be in compliance and still have an outbreak. AKA, they need tighter standards on their facilities and they need a better uh, program to monitor players coming in and out and through practice and games and what have you. Because if the facility's not at fault, but that's still where it's spread, then you got to do a better job of controlling that if you want to actually have an NFL season this year get played to completion. Yeah. Now, one storyline that um, came to light today, we're recording this on Tuesday, just a couple hours um, before we recorded, the Dolphins announced that Tua Tagovailoa is going to come in to start at quarterback. What is your initial reaction? Why, at this point? Fitzpatrick is playing really good. You're on a two-game winning streak in which you've blown out both opponents. You're tied for second in the division. Why now? Why not just let Fitzpatrick keep playing until I keep learning? I, I know you said uh, before we started recording that you thought we'd be having a different opinion. I agree with you 100%. For one, I personally do not believe in starting rookie quarterbacks in most situations, unless you have a situation with the Bengals where like your only other option is Ryan Finley. But if you've got a halfway decent quarterback, which which uh, Fitzpatrick is, which I mean, as good as the Chargers look, as Tyrod Taylor is, I don't think that you should start rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. Now, two storylines that came out after the game on Sunday, where he did see his first NFL act. First, did you see where he sat on the field and took everything in? Yeah, I did. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and then the second, have you heard about the storyline with Shania Twain? No. Oh my gosh. So you're going to love this. So I follow a page uh, on Facebook called Whiskey Riff and it's a uh, country music website. And so apparently this happened back in June, but it hadn't gotten really circulated until just now. Um, Tua did a quick Q and a video for the Dolphins Instagram or Dolphins Twitter. And um, they asked him, 
who was his favorite um, musical guilty pleasure? And he said Shania Twain. <laughs> then he was asked who his main celebrity crush was. And he doubled down saying Shania Twain, um, from this moment on, if you see this, text me back. Did she text him? He tweeted the video out and said, Shania Twain, you're still the one. Heart. She responded back, don't feel guilty. You've got good taste with a kissy face emoji and a smiley face emoji. Oh, that just made his life. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he does nothing in the NFL, he still had that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to see if you'd seen that because I, I thought that was so funny. No, I hadn't seen that. Now, our big picture storyline is this is the year of the comeback. And we're going to go over why do you think so many teams are coming back from down double digits to win or almost win this season? And we've got a bunch of examples of this. These are just the 16-plus point comebacks this season. Week one, Washington trailed Philadelphia 17. Uh, 17 nothing, 127-17. Bears were down with the Lions, 23-6. Came back 127-23. Week two, the Falcons were up 39-20 on the Cowboys. Cowboys came back 140-39. Week three, the Bears were down 16 to the Falcons. Came back 130-26. Week four, the Bucks were down 17 to the Chargers. Came back 138-31. Week five, the Saints were down 17 of the Chargers, came back to win 30 to 27 in overtime. Last week, the Colts were down 21 to the Bengals, came back and won 31 27. So, what do you think is causing this? Honestly, I think some teams have bigger hearts in some games. Like some of the, like this week, two teams won that hadn't won a game all year. Nobody wants to go defeated. They're going to have a game where they play really well. And two, I think the lack of defense being played in practice leading up to the season has really affected some teams, like especially teams with young defenses. So for me, I think there's three things. One, there does seem to be a year like this just randomly about every 10 years where just year of the comeback is kind of a fluke. But two, I agree with you. Part of it, too, could be due to managing COVID. With less practice time and more preservation of players being taken into the games, I think that could end up impacting not just the res- uh, not just practice and preparation, but also game trips. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But then also, I think a lot of this is due to coaching. Because, okay, you look at that um, – you look at those games I just mentioned, your coaches, Doug Peterson, who's pretty good, Matt Patricia, Dan Quinn twice, who's been fired, Anthony Lynn twice, and then uh, Zach Taylor. Like, that's not, outside of Peterson, that's not good coaches. They're doing that. And even in the Peterson case, it was against Ron Rivera. Personally, I like Rivera more than Peterson. So, I, I think part of it could just be due to coaches just not being able to manage big leaps and games. True. Now, going forward, we're going into week seven. We've got a bunch of games to cover and uh, game picks to hand out, and we've got our gambler's corner. So, first off, uh, first game pick, we have the Battle of the Undefeateds, the Steelers and the Titans. Who do you think ends up remaining unbeaten? I'm going to go with the Steelers. I think that defense is way too good. 
I think they shut down Henry, and I think they find a way to win. I think it'll be like a three to ten point game, though. Let me go with the Steelers as well. The Titans should have been beaten last week. The Steelers' defense, I think, can limit uh, Derrick Henry, especially given that they held Saquon Barkley in negative yards in week one. Yeah. And that's going to force Tannehill to pass to win. Tannehill's a quarterback that he's good, but he's much better when he has a complimentary offense to work with him. And if you take out that run game, he's going to fall apart. Yeah. I don't think the Titans can really force the Steelers into much trouble on offense. Also, given how varied that Steelers attack is, and so I'm going to pick Pittsburgh here. Okay. Moving to the NFC South, one o'clock, we have the Panthers traveling to New Orleans to face the Saints. Oh, God. Who do you think ends up winning at the Superdome? I think it's the Saints. I think the Panthers are good, but the offensive line still needs some work. And I'm going to take chemistry that's been together for years over this new look Panthers team. I agree with you. I got the Saints as well. Both teams are kind of coin flips this year, but I think the deciding factor is the Saints are being Mike, uh, Michael Thomas back. Oh, that's going to be playing? a huge, That's going to yeah. Okay. That's going to be a huge help. Now can McCaffrey just come back so I can stop losing in fantasy? <laughs> I lost to the worst guy in our in our league. Oof. I mean, my records right now, I'm five and one, four and two, four and two, and three and three. I'm so. four and two. I'm still doing all right. But losing to him really hurt my ego. Yeah, I feel you. Um, but then also, I, I think getting Michael Thomas back in reality will help the Saints a ton because he lives in that short and medium route game, which is basically all that Breeze can throw now. Hmm. So. Having someone that's built his entire career on that and become one of the best receivers in the league through that is going to help this offense. With McCaffrey being out, I think the Panthers are capable of making it a close game, but they don't have the horses at the end to be able to actually pull off the upset. True. Now, one game that uh, I wanted to throw in there because, honestly, this could end up being a huge upset or it could end up being a blowout the other way. Uh, Packers and Texans in Houston. I think this could be a sneakily interesting game. Why about you? Who do you think will win? I think coming off a loss, the Packers are going to win by 21. I think the biggest thing is the uh, Texans have no run defense. That was exposed against the Titans. Aaron Jones and by the Fees. And who do they face this week? Aaron Jones. Yep. I think the Packers are going to get back on track. I Moving think- out to the NFC West, we have the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Now, Seahawks are the third and final remaining undefeated team. Do you think that they stay undefeated after this week, or do you think the Cardinals pull off the upset? I got to go with the Seahawks, especially coming off a of bye week. I trust Russell Wilson more than I trust Kyler Murray. I think DK Metcalf is about to feast. I'm actually going to go different from you. I got the Cardinals. I figured you would. You're high on them. Yep. Seahawks are unbeaten but they're barely winning in their last couple of games. I mean, they got exposed by Dallas. They got exposed, exposed by Minnesota. Their defense and they're sucks. finding these miracle ways to get by. Meanwhile, in Arizona, Kyler is probably the hardest individual player to game plan for that the Seattle defense has faced, which is bad for the Seahawks because they've been torched by some bad players, bad quarterbacks. I mean, Kirk Cousins should have beaten Cam Newton should have beaten And for that reason... Yeah, Cam Newton should beat him too. For that reason, I think the Cardinals are going to rise to the occasion. I've got Cardinals pulling the upset here. Do you think it's close? Oh, it's going to be close. It's going to come down a little fire. Okay. But I, I, I think the Cardinals win, and if they don't, then they're a three-and-a-half-point underdog. They're going to cover the spread. 
I think that was like the lock of the week for them to cover this one. Okay. Uh, moving to your boy, Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. They're hosting the Niners uh, this week, who just came off a huge win against the Rams. Do you think that the Niners make it two in a row, or do you think Cam gets back on track? I hope Cam gets back on track, but it's proving that he has no weapons there. They really need to make a trade for a receiver and quick. But I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say Patriots by three. So the Niners got a huge win last week in their points for a letdown. Meanwhile, the Patriots got humiliated by the Broncos and they're looking to rebound. I think for that, for those reasons and something else I'm going to mention here in a second, I do think the Patriots are going to win. The biggest thing coming into this game, though, this is Jimmy G's first trip to New England since being traded away. Oh, wow. check has the book on him, given that he was in the Patriots system for years. And given that he has shown time and time again to be able to take away an offense's best weapon, I think he's got the, him having the playbook on Jimmy G is going to be able to completely shut down his offense. Yeah. Meanwhile, I don't know, given the losses uh, in injury on that, if San Francisco has the same defensive player, the defense players be able to do the same thing. So I've got the Patriots here. I think it's going to be close, but I got the Patriots. That's right, you do. <laughs> now on Sunday night football, we've got the former Patriot quarterback Tom Brady going to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this will be the second primetime game that the Raiders have hosted in the Giant Roomba. Do you think they may get two zero there, or do you think Tampa Bay comes away with a win? I gotta go with the Bucks. So the way they played last week and that defense is just getting scarier. They can keep that up. I think they can win by 14. I've got Tampa Bay as well. They're clicking on all cylinders right now. That offense is healthy and looking good, but their passing game finally getting Mike Evans back. And then Ronald Jones taking over as a feature back. Yeah, On top of that, the defense shut down the Packers. And I think, yeah, they might not be able to do quite what they did last week consistently, but I don't think that was a fluke. I think this defense is sneakily good. Meanwhile, the Raiders have some serious questions. They had a great first impression with two big wins at yeah. Carolina and versus New Orleans starting the season. But that first impression is wearing away quick. I think the experience for Tom and Bruce Arians in these games gets them to win. I think it could be a wild one and a close one, but I've got the uh, uh, Buccaneers rolling the dice and coming away with a win. Finally, on Monday Night Football, we have the Chicago Bears taking on the Rams in Los Angeles. Now, you're there on the ground in Chicago. You're a local seeing every game. I think the Bears pulled off, or do you think the Rams end up rebounding? I think the Bears pulled it off. They always play the Rams really well. And again, the defense is playing scary good. And after game, being able to game film what the 49ers just did to them, I think they, had, they, they can go in with a good game plan and sneak away. It's going to be another close one. It's going to be a really close 6-1 for them, but I think they can pull it off. So this was a very hard game for me to pick. The Bears were sneaking by teams. I think they're going to trip up somewhere. They're a good team, but I think they're bound to lose at some point. And the Rams are not just looking to rebound from that game last week at San Francisco, but also Jared Goff needs revenge for 2018. If you remember, that high-flying Rams offense in 2018 – played on a Sunday night football game at Soldier Field. And everyone thought the Rams were going to blow away the Bears. And the Bears not only won that game, but they gave away the game plan to slow down that Rams offense, which is exactly what the Patriots used in order to get uh, get the ring in the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. Jared Goff needs revenge for that because that really turned 
a lot of people's perception of what we think of him as a quarterback. And I think he might be out for no point here. I think I, I've got the Rams, but it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a fun one. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears won. Okay. But finally, we're going to go to our gambler's corner. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Both got some bets we're making this week. One is uh, your baby slip looking like. All right, I got... Steelers over Titans, Bills over Jets, Seahawks over Cardinals, Packers over Texans, Chiefs over Broncos, Chargers over Jags, and Bucks over the Raiders. So I've got three bets. Um, these are ones I'm going to be putting my money on. First one, Packers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Texans. I like the Packers win. I don't like that line. So I'm going to tease it from three-and-a-half to two-and-a-half. So it gets me four to six odds, which means I win three thirty-three on a five-dollar bet. I like that. I'll take it. Second, I'm going to take the Steelers over the Titans on the money line. They're a ten to thirteen favorite, meaning that I make three dollars eighty-four cents on a five-dollar bet. My third bet, my upset pick of the week: the Cardinals over the Seahawks. They've got eight to five odds, meaning that bet five win eight bucks. I think this one could end up sneakily being a money maker, and if you don't like that, still take them at. Um, uh, plus three and a half. I think that's your lock of the week. Okay. Well, that's all the time that we've got this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Please remember to like and subscribe. I'm Justin Cox. Cameron Kennedy. And we are the Between the Uprights NFL Show.